Kings Island knows what amazing means for your kid. It's exploring Planet Snoopy, an entire world filled with rides and activities made just for kids, and actually hugging the most famous beagle in the world. Amazing is getting on the fastest ride they've ever been on with mom and dad. It's racing down a water slide at Soak City Water Park. It's a funnel cake as big as their head. And we know what amazing means to you. It's the all-day smile on your kid's face. Right now, everyone pays kids' price. Kings Island tickets just $39.99, only at Kroger. Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early, remaining amounts due. Unlimited basic after 630 20 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums. Use rules and restrictions apply. listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. On this week's episode, we discuss Decision Day in MLS, and we look ahead to the playoffs, plus president and founder of Austin Anthem, formerly of MLS in Austin, Josh Bobetsky, calls in to give us the Austin perspective regarding the news about the crew potentially staying in Columbus. And finally, it's another edition of The Counterattack with yours truly, Jake Watroba, and make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Pod, We always enjoy your feedback and comments, so continue to send them in. And don't forget, you can always find the show on any major podcast platform, including Spotify. We were recently added to Spotify, so if you get your podcasts on Spotify, make sure you follow us there. Now, let's get to today's show. Steven, Armand. How you guys doing today? Doing wonderful. Let's go Red Sox, baby. Uh, my mic isn't working, so I'm doing pretty well too. Yeah, yeah. You got you had some technical difficulties. Today. Oh man, I've had it all day. Um, it's it's been a rough, I guess, twelve hours for me in my podcasting career. But you know, I'm, I'm gonna make a big comeback. <laughs> big before, comeback coming up. Before we before we get into today's show, I just wanted to uh, call out Stephen. Oh. On something. Ooh. What? I just want to say that for all the times you've ripped on baseball in the past. <laughs> oh my goodness. For all the times you've said it's dying, for all the times that you've said it's boring and unwatchable, I don't think, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, if I was just meeting you for the first time today, I wouldn't know that you thought those things because supposedly you're the world's biggest Boston Red Sox fan. Oh, he loves the Red Sox, baby. Uh, Chris Sale, number one. Let's go. <laughs> he has not said a single thing about the Red Sox since I joined the show in the spring. Well, because the season is so long. Come on. like I'm not going to sit here and break down game 123. Well, no, you don't You don't need to, but... Well, 124. This, yeah, 124. <laughs> 
but I just I just find it funny that you know baseball's dying, baseball's stupid. But the last two weeks, you've been uh, dialed into uh, dialed into the Boston Red Sox postseason run. Fine, I'm a pink hat. Okay, when it comes to baseball, yeah, I'm kind of a pink hat. I get it. I like the Red Sox when they're in the playoffs. I love the Red Sox. Okay. That's how it is. Anyway, let's talk about MLS Decision Day. And Armand, <laughs> you had some sort of party going on there. I mean, I just went to go watch the game uh, with some buddies. So, yeah, I had like four or five screens set up. Uh, watch Dallas choke. Um, watch Seattle get a game winner. Watch the Galaxy choke. Uh, it was pretty. I thought it was a pretty good decision day. I mean, you hate anything MLS related now, but... What? You can't put those words in my mouth. No, he can. You're a Euro snob. It's okay. Yeah, you're a Euro snob. You're, you're reverting back Armand, to your roots. Armand's, Armand's an MLS fanboy, and Steven, <laughs> hey, you only care off. about Hop, Hop Sweet and uh, the Arsenal. Um, yeah, and the Revolution. Well, and the Revolution. Don't forget. Bob Kraft. <laughs> no, you know what the funny thing is? I listened to the Revolution Montreal game today on the radio. Why? I wanted to take a nap. I figured I'd fall asleep. Nap well, football. Nap like football. That. that probably was really good nap football. I woke up. Uh, they scored. I mean, considering they... that no one turns out for Rev, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure nobody turns out. For, nobody turns out for Revs games when they're out of contention, right? So I'm sure it was just kind of just this. I dull bet you. I bet you eighteen thousand showed up. Um. So quite a big a bit of stuff happened around the league today. Guys, what do you think was the most surprising in regards to decision day? Was it the fact that the Galaxy uh, choked? Or was it Atlanta choking the Supporters' Shield? DC United hosting a playoff game after they were literally at the bottom of the league, like halfway through the summer? uh, I mean, for me, I would have to, I would argue the biggest moment decision day was when, uh, Seattle scored their game winner in the 93rd minute, and they jumped from the four to getting a bye. I think that was massive. And now that they're what, like, on, they're on they're on 59 points of the second seed in the West after that garbage start. I think we were talking about it, Stephen and Jake, how bad they were at the beginning, and now they that they've won 14 of the last 16 games. That's Ten straight years in the playoffs impressive. too. They're they're a true they're a true franchise that's modeled on success. I, and I thought like that, especially that last second goal by Rui Diaz. I mean, come on, that was that was fun and impressive. Really, you thought that was bigger uh, a bigger deal than the Galaxy literally poo pooing themselves in the middle no, because, of stuff. Uh, as, as a hashtag MLS fanboy, <laughs> I mean, you, you, uh, after watching so much of the Galaxy, as we expect, the defense is awful. They just can't seem to get anything going. This sure they racked up some wins late on, but. You know, that's not going to undo all the sins they had, and they choked away a 2-0 lead, um, and it just got – they just looked bad. I mean, it's what we've seen all year from the Galaxy, they won't win, They won't have a clean sheet. They'll either blow out a team or like in like a 5-2, 5-3, make a barn burner. So I'm not surprised at all. I, I don't think the Galaxy even deserve to make the playoffs, to be quite honest with you. Oh, wow. Uh, Ibra still your MVP? No. Wayne Rooney? Wayne Rooney or Joseph, we'll see. All right. What about you, Jake? New York Red Bulls wins the Supporter Shield three in six uh, years. Is this meaningful for the Red Bulls? Because since uh-oh. they have a history of winning this thing three times in the last six years, 
to me, it is rather useless that they won this if they don't go on to win the, the MLS Cup. Well, I, I, I kind of agree with you there, Chief. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, what you're right they don't win cups they don't win cups so what's what what does the supporter shield really mean in the grand scheme of things great you were the best team in the regular season now 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 do something in the postseason let me how many times i mean how many times we're gonna clap for the red bulls and go wow look at the model <laughs> model franchise look at that they're always good and then they always find a way to bleep the bed no you're that's right so metro that's so metro and the thing is the Supporters Shield this year doesn't get them a uh, a CCL spot either. So it's kind of useless. Atlanta United have quickly become like every other Atlanta franchise there is. What, choke artists? Choke artists. I mean, come on. How did they lose the Supporters Shield in the spot they were in the middle of, uh, say, July? I thought Red Bull was a really overlooked team. I don't know about you, Jake, but I thought they've been good throughout the whole year, and no one's talked about them. They were in, even that first place. They've played outplayed Atlanta both times they've played, but no one talks about them because they're not sexy. I don't know. Do you, do you feel the same, Jake? I, I I agree with you. I do think they're overlooked to a to a certain extent now. As I go back and praise them for <laughs> for. Uh, being overlooked and kind of being the little engine that could. Uh, no, I, if I recall, don't forget they made point, a coaching change. They made a coaching change too. They did, and I think you can also argue that maybe the coaching change in Atlanta may have had something to do with uh, the players' performance. Wait, at- Atlanta? You mean, like, you mean, you mean, you mean the, the they mean Tata saying he's not going to renew? Yeah, I think you, you can also argue that may have had a negative impact on Atlanta down the stretch. Uh, but no, you're right. I mean, with uh, Marsh. Leaving, leaving for Germany. I mean, that was definitely an obstacle uh, New York had to overcome. And Armand, I believe at some, I, I don't know, I can't recall if it was in the spring or early summer. You did say, "Watch out for the Red Bulls." I don't think this is a, Atlanta's going to run away with the East, if I if I remember correctly. Dude, I've been a Red Bull stand since day one. Everyone was like, "Wow, you like watching the Red Bulls?" But I'm like, "Yes, I enjoy watching the way they press and the, and the way they play. They're the best team in the East. They're the best team in MLS." Like, put it. I, I don't know if they win MLS Cup because. I mean, the playoffs are a completely different season, and you can't really take I, – I would say you can't really take regular season results into the postseason, to be quite honest with you. But I think they're the best team in MLS, and I've been saying that for the longest time. And I think the performance was for me was uh, – I want to say it was back in April or something when they beat Atlanta the first time 3-1. That was, I think, the performance for me where I was like, wow, this team is going to win – can win MLS Cup and is better than Atlanta United. Just that's just my hot sports take right there. Red Bulls do shatter the seventy point mark at seventy. Yeah, they're the most points in MLS, right? MLS history. I, I just want to say before. Uh, I also I want to praise Atlanta again because I think they had a really nice season. <laughs> if, Wait, when you I, look at the point totals, when you look at the oh, point nice, totals, nice. I think they had a really nice season. Oh, okay, I get it now. Um, for all you listeners out there, I don't know what is going on on today's episode. But NYCFC sit third. They did win today. They they got a couple goals in the bag. With Patrick Vieira changing, it seems like the coaching change has negatively impacted the blue side of New York. Meanwhile, the coaching impact on the red side in New York 
didn't really make all that big of a difference. Well, I mean, if you look at it, for me, I mean, the thing is, the NYC Atlanta game was actually really good. I mean, looking ahead, if NYC can knock out Philadelphia, which, I mean, they beat them today three one, right? Like they 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 did pretty well. I would I would say, I mean, I don't see them. I don't think they're better than Atlanta or Red Bull. I think the only team out of that six that can really compete, or out of that group of four outside of Atlanta and Red Bull that can compete with them is DC. I think DC. Steven, you keep making this joke, or like I don't know if you're joking or serious that DC and Seattle will play. But hey, man, it's a I did say that. It's looking really <laughs> likely. I mean, I hate to be that guy, but DC is red hot. Seattle's red hot. I think DC is the only team that can knock out the Red Bulls in Atlanta. The, to be honest with you, the only thing that slows down, I think, Seattle and DC is the fact that the playoffs are stretched out for like 40 days. There are these pauses in it, and I think that could potentially slow them down. Now, with DC, I think Wayne Rooney is no doubt your MVP. He's completely turned around the club. They are hosting a playoff game. Like, it was just enough to get to the playoffs, but the fact that they're hosting one is a big deal. Um, I think this could be a scary team to watch. I would not want to play them. And if I'm Atlanta, that's probably the team I want to play uh, least. Because you have two different, you know, teams. One out of the gate, Atlanta, one of the favorites, and then you have DC United, who come out of nowhere mid-season, make one big signing, and you know, ooh, that it's was the beauty of MLS, though, right? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if it's the beauty, but it's just the thing that makes MLS so different. You can make just one signing, and boom, you're the four seeds a chance to win the league championship. Yeah, meanwhile, the 71 points. I mean, just think about it. DC. If they went, go on to win MLS Cup, finish 20 points behind the Red Bulls. 20. And do we say DC was the best team in MLS for that season? Yes or no? Does MLS Cup reflect the best team of yes. that season? In, in in popular culture and I would say in everyone else's mind, in our minds, yes. Jake? Does MLS Cup... The winner of MLS Cup reflect who the best team was over the course of the season. Yes, is that, that that's the question we're asking here? Yes. No. <laughs> no, because it's like look look at it. But who, but Jake, who do you remember? Okay, yeah, the team who hosts the trophy. Well, obviously that's going to be the case in any scenario. The team who hosts the the trophy because they're the one who gets the 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 grand right. moment of celebration and all that stuff. But you can't look at me in the eye and tell me that if Philadelphia Union wins MLS Cup this year, we're going to go, wow, best team in MLS this year, I guess, Philadelphia Union. Or if Real Salt Lake, Real Salt Lake with their you know <laughs> negative three goal differential and finishing with 49 points who needed a utter a miracle collapse from the uh, LA Galaxy at home to get into the playoffs. You can't look me in the eye. If Real Salt Lake wins MLS Cup and goes, Best team, man, Mike Petke. <laughs> that he coached the best team in MLS this year, man. That was the that was the best team. Come on, don't, does that don't make give MLS that. flawed, or does that make MLS? Yes, just... that makes that makes. But but that's any that's any pro sport in this country. No, that's I disagree. I think NBA, I typically reflects it. The NHL, it's a crapshoot. Baseball, yes, I'm... and the NHL's a crapshoot, so the best team doesn't always win in the NHL. Yeah, but the football, National Football League, I think the best team typically goes on to win it for that no, particular I, wh- season. What? What about your Patriots that lost to the 9-7 and seven Giants that were the sixth seed in the NFC that won uh, in There 2007. are exceptions to the rule, Jake. It's... Well, that's what I'm saying. 
I mean, so unless unless Atlanta or New York Red Bull wins MLS Cup, I don't think this is going to. Uh, I don't think the Cup winner is the best team in MLS. I think it's. I think the Cup the Cup winner is the team that performed the best from uh, November wow. and mm-hmm. December. That's what that. I think that's. That's all that means. Like I said, if Philadelphia Union win MLS Cup, are you guys gonna come on the show? In mid-December, and say, you know what? Looking back in the season, man, that was a good Union team, man. That that they were one of the best teams in MLS. What do you guys no, miss Union, man? Because they have 50 points. You could say the same thing with Real Salt Lake. These aren't good teams. You aren't gonna these teams. They aren't gonna advance far. You know this, especially Real Salt Lake. I should be picking on them more so than Philadelphia Union. Yeah, stop picking on my Union, man. Does. Who do you think MLS wants to win this MLS Cup? Like, is it in the best interest for one of the big teams to go on to win it? Say a Red Bulls, Atlanta, a Seattle. Oh, dude, they would want Atlanta to win it. No, Atlanta or LA or Seattle, one of those three. You get Atlanta, DC. You keep I that think. Base? I think DC would be a good one. You know, yeah, it's it probably LAFC, Seattle, DC, NYCFC, Atlanta. That's probably who they want to win. Well, Red Bulls. Yes. What is? But Red Bulls don't spend money. No, but Red. What Red Bulls do? I think they create an image for the league of a model and a model franchise to follow. So European clubs look at Red Bulls and be like, they're doing something right. Look at the youth that they're developing. I mean, they are doing but something right. They, they are. Too. Well, they are clearly doing something great. I mean, I think Red they, Bulls they, are the model franchise of MLS. I don't think they're. they're I agree. I agree, hundred percent, Stephen. What do I mean? Even if Rebels wins it, I don't think it makes them the. I don't think it makes them a gives them a, like a better example of the, the model franchise. I mean, what do six is it? What six extra games? What is it? I mean, that isn't. Who would you consider a model franchise now without the MLS? Yeah, Cup? They are a model franchise. The, winning MLS Cup doesn't need to validate them as. Yup, that, that's a model franchise. They already develop youth. They get kids to play. They it. They're always good. I think they are the 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 model franchise in MLS. So. Let me let me ask you all this. Uh, biggest disappointment from Decision Day is a consensus that Galaxy couldn't make it into the playoffs. Absolutely, especially when they go up two nothing. Two nothing is the most dangerous lead to have in in all of sports. Uh, well, in at least soccer and in the NHL. But uh, a two nothing lead at halftime, and you crap yourself like that at home against the Houston freaking Dynamo. What are you doing? Um, I think Ibra leaves. I don't think he liked his time here in MLS. He's had a unbelievable season, a record-setting season. But the Galaxy just failed him in not putting the right pieces around him. I and, and when we had Kobe Jones on the show and we asked him, is Ibra coming? And he laughed because he knew something and he wasn't going to give it to us. I, I'm surprised at the time that they did not set up their squad in advance to bring in somebody like an Ebro to try to be more successful and not have to worry about being out of the playoffs on decision day rather than, you know, you could have rested Ebro for the playoffs. No, Steven, you're right. It's, you're, it's you're definitely a- right. I mean, what, how, how, what was that, about a month? When we had Kobe Jones on, he made that remark of, I, I could tell you, but I had to kill you, when you asked him is, if Ebro's coming to LA Galaxy. And that, that was probably about a, what, a month, month and a half Six before weeks, it was announced? I don't know, something like that. They had, if if Kobe Jones knew six weeks prior to, uh, six weeks prior to Ibrahimovic signing with the LA Galaxy, well, the, the front office probably knew, probably even before then, 
So I think it's the front office definitely deserves a ton of blame. If you knew Ibrahimovic, I can't say his name right now for some reason. If you knew he was coming to MLS and was going to sign with your club, wouldn't you make the necess- or take the necessary steps to kind of solidify your back line? Oh, yeah. my God. Don't even get me started. The Galaxy are one of the worst front franchises in MLS. It's, the, the back line was awful. They spent big money, quote-unquote, on terrible signings. Michael Ciani? Or, he's awful. Skelvik, the Norwegian guy, not good. And they spend a lot of money, too, on those players. They spend a lot of money on those players. That's the thing. So, I mean, you can throw money at something expected to, you know, get better. But these guys are terrible. And then you had the Dos Santos brothers playing like crap. Giovanni playing awful. They need to sell Giovanni. They just need to blow that thing up and actually build a contender. I mean, I would start by going after Boca Juniors coach, Barro Shalado, um, beat him, uh, try to entice him over Atlanta. Don't go after Greg Burrowhalter. Come on, like that guy almost missed the playoffs. Like it's it, it, <laughs> that's what that's my disappointment. <laughs> like just just for the just for the memes. Uh, if the crew had missed the playoffs and Burhalter was announced as USA coach, I thought it'd be hilarious and a sad state of where US soccer would be. But man, the Galaxy need to be more ambitious. It, it, they just thought Ibra, you know, it can just change their like save their team. Well, wait, They're, wait, wait, wait. Pause there for a second. Let's look at Wayne Rooney's situation and Ibra's situation. Did DC United build a team around Wayne Rooney and the thoughts of him coming? How how does how does a how does Wayne Rooney come to DC United and literally drag the club from bottom of the Eastern Conference to the fourth seed? Meanwhile, Ibra goes to LA, the LA Galaxy, who were probably mid-table on the playoff bu- bubble when he came. And mm-hmm. somehow they missed the playoffs. Like we, there should be an analysis on what the front office did when they brought in a superstar like this. And well, was yeah. was Ibra's ego in the way of the galaxy? While while Wayne Rooney's team uh, first philosophy, and I'm not saying Ibra's a bad teammate, but he had a lot of baggage coming around. Like that's a tough situation with all the Hollywood. All the late night show stuff, all the flossing he did on the James Corbin, Dorbin, <laughs> whatever the show is called. Is there a situation in which front offices look at these superstars and go, I don't know if I want them on my team because of all the baggage that they bring? With Rooney, though, it's kind of. I would say Rooney enhanced the players on his team. Does that make sense? Like Lucho Acosta wasn't a bad signing when they got him. But he really brought the best out of him. I think Ariola, especially uh, uh, Canus, Durkin, they've all been pretty solid. With the Galaxy, I feel like they just threw Ibrahimovic into the lineup, if that makes sense. They kind of messed around with Ola Kamara being a wing. Uh, when he's not good at being a wing at all, he's better at being a forward. Uh, Dos Santos has been on the low and it's been terrible. I don't know if they're really building around Rooney, and I don't know. If, I don't think Zlatan's ego got in the way. I think just the Galaxy had a bunch of uh, miss, uh, miss, like not matching parts, and it was kind of just like a messed up puzzle. And they were just trying to fit things that weren't there. No, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jake, hold on to your thought. We're gonna take a quick break here, listeners, and we'll be back with some playoff talk.
All right, let's talk some playoff, guys. Now, listeners, we know Armand's got a crappy mic, so bear with us until he buys a new one. But the playoffs, um, Armand, can you tell us what the, I guess, the first-round matchups are going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, first-round matchups um, in the Eastern Conference, we have New York City hosting Philadelphia and D.C. hosting Columbus. In the Western Conference, we'll have LAFC hosting Real Salt Lake and FC Dallas hosting Portland Timbers. Uh, SKC, Seattle on buys in the West. Red Bulls, Atlanta on buys in the East. According to 538, Atlanta is still the favorite to win the Cup. Red Bulls a close second. Actually, no, never mind. They are exactly tied to win the MLS Cup. Five wow. percentage points behind them is Sporting KC and then Atlanta, uh, then Seattle at nine percent so atlanta and red bulls guys it's a, a coin flip Let, let's let's play a little uh buy or sell here are you buying that atlanta or, or the red bulls win mls cup or are you taking the field jake you want to start uh, i'll take the field over atlanta and red bulls the two single-handedly the most productive teams in this league and quite honestly one of the two best seasons ever I know Atlanta didn't great, uh, hit the 70 points mark, but they're up there on the top five as most points in one season. Uh, I think as Armand has made has said, uh, most notably in our interview with Bobby Warshaw, uh, Atlantic doesn't like to can't really break down bunker ball, like, and that's kind of what that's uh, kind of what teams playing in the MLS playoffs. Hmm. And football. I think tournament football, and I think with Red Bull's recent history of not really winning when it matters the most. I you know, I'm not I'm not exactly sold on, on them either. So I look at teams, I look at Seattle. I like I think we've said on this show already. Uh, I don't think there's a team in the Western Conference that wants to run into that buzzsaw. And I look at DC United. And I think there are a lot of teams in the East that also don't want to run into that buzzsaw. So yeah, I'm gonna take the field on this one. I I, I think that there are a lot of teams in the West that we're overlooking. Tweet us, listeners, if you would take the Ooh. field or Atlanta or the Red Bulls, Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Armand, who are you taking, field or so, the two favorites? So, so here's what here's what I'm gonna do. As a guy who uh, I've learned a lot through watching a lot of MLS, I think all y'all know that. I'm gonna go look at the form of teams, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna pick. So. Based on form, you know who the hottest teams in MLS are right now? DC, Seattle, Red Bull, Red Bull, DC, and Seattle, and I'd say SKC as well. Um, saying that, I genuinely believe in the Red Bulls this year, so I would I will buy on Red Bulls in Atlanta. Right. I believe I, I I believe in them. Um, I think it'll make, it's going to make for a fascinating playoffs in the Eastern Conference. That that three horse race between DC, Atlanta, and Red Bull. I, it's going. I think it's going to make for some really fun soccer. I think we're not going to. Whatever happens, I think the viewer is going to be winning in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a real interesting point. Now, let, what about the dark horse or a team that you think we should be paying attention to? And I, I'm going to say FC Dallas is a team to follow. I oh think. my God! No way. Here, here's get this, Armand. Here's why I think Oscar Pereira is tactically sound. Now, can Oscar Pereira master tournament football? That's the real question. They host Portland. 
it's a team that everybody last season said, you know, if they were to sneak into the playoffs, when you know, I think was it Wondolowski that got San Jose into the playoffs uh, last season. Well, if FC Dallas had snuck into the playoffs, that's a team nobody wants to play. I, I, I still believe that. I do genuinely think Dallas is a team that a lot of clubs don't want to play just because you do have a tactical master on the sideline in Oscar Pereira. And with tournament football, for a couple of games, you can do creative things to get by. You really can. You don't necessarily have to have the most talent. You need to have the right talent in the right positions. And I think Dallas have some working parts that could allow them to be somewhat successful in the playoffs and maybe go around further than people thought of beforehand. I... I, I don't see that. I think Dallas fall, is just falling apart right now. Three straight losses, and against what one against Colorado, a last second one against DC, a disma- uh, just a poor performance against SKC, and allowing two late goals against Colorado. It's tough for me to see that. Um, my dark horse would be Crew. I think Columbus Crew. Uh, call me wild, but the top three uh, teams in um, the Eastern Conference. I think Atlanta struggled against Columbus. I think NYC, uh, they all think Greg Borhal is a tough coach. I would, wait, I think, and they were, go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. But, but I just, if Dallas is in such crappy form and if the, if the bottom falls out again, is Oscar Pereira on the hot seat then? I, here's my thing. I don't think so. Th- th- that is. makes no sense to me. How, if, if, if there's, if they fall out last season and they again fall out this season, a team that, People have predicted, uh, and in this season could have gotten a buy, right? Should have probably gotten a buy. Then how is Oscar Pereira not on the hot seat from the front office? Then there is something wrong with that organization. Front office. There is something wrong with this organization. Yeah, but but the fact that they start off so brilliantly and they seem to coast through the they first. They don't make signings, Steven. I think we, we, we talked about this, but they don't make true signings. They just let go of players. Let go of Mauro Diaz. Uh, you let go of Kellan Costa for Baji, who's been pretty meh. You let go of these guys. You don't bring in adequate replacements, or you don't play the adequate replacements that you have brought in. So, you know, when teams like Seattle are buying Rui Diaz, uh, when teams like Red Bull, you know, they're they're calling up the Red Bull two uh, players, you know, getting them some minutes because isn't good. When teams like DC are getting Rooney, when other teams are making some sort of impact move, Dallas isn't doing that. That's part of their issue. Just my quick thought. Well, I still think they're a dangerous team to watch in the playoffs just because Oscar Pereira has some sort of sense of what he's doing with tactics. Now, Jake, Dark Horse. Well, Armand kind of stole my touchdown call there. I was going to say the Columbus Crew just because it, you know, just based off of last year, it looks like a Greg Berhalter uh, managed side does very well in tournament football. But I guess for, for sake of this segment, I'll throw out another team. Uh, let's go with the LAFC. Ooh. Uh, yeah, they got Bob bad Bradley. Name. Bob Bradley's manager. I mean, Bob Bradley's been, been a very successful manager um, throughout his career. He's won, you know, he won an MLS Cup with the expansion side Chicago Fire, albeit 20-some-odd years ago. <laughs> 98. Um, but, yeah, 98. <laughs> Uh, but you, you just look at LAFC, they have all the attacking talent up front with Carlos Vela and uh, Diego Rossi. And then on the back line, too, you got Walker Zimmerman back there holding things down for them as well. And one key thing to look at, I think, w- 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 with teams when it comes to MLS Cup is how 
How do they perform on the road? LAFC, and granted, it's not it's not gla- it's not a glamorous record, but seven, eight, and two. They have shown they can get some wins on the road, which you know, looking at say the Columbus Crew, for example, three, nine, and five. So I'm going to circle LAFC as my actually team to watch. Great point, um, uh, Jake. Who has the best road record in MLS? Uh, it looks to me like Atlanta does at ten, five, and two. Who's got the second best? Looks like New York Red Bull, eight, five, and four. Yeah, okay, just round us the top five. Well, it's a uh, it would probably be uh, Atlanta, Red Bull, um, SKC, and Seattle. SKC, Seattle, LAFC. Uh, do we know that for a fact, or are we just speculating? Yes, we're just yeah. kind of. We're. I'm looking at the stands right now. That's I'm not right. It. And, and and the other thing too about about LAFC is they have a pretty good home home field advantage there at uh, Bank of California Stadium with the uh, 3252 supporter section. So I think they're they're a team you should keep your eye on. Yeah, no, I, it's interesting to look at the road and home splits because MLS playoffs are different and, and it's over two legs. And this is something that FC Dallas falls in the trap of is that they are always typically on the road as a higher seed. And this happens across the league. The, you know, you go, you play on the road first and then you play at home. Well, you know, the home team typically has that advantage. So if they can get a 2 nothing lead, then you're chasing in the second game and you're the higher seed and you somehow have home field advantage and you're already down. To me, it, it's kind of baffling in, in that system that it's there's really – Apart from MLS Cup in the first round of the playoffs, do you necessarily have a home field advantage like you see in hosting a Game 7 or hosting, you know, in the National Football League, you just play the game at home and it's one or, you know, you win and move on or you lose and you go home. So, interesting. MLS playoffs can be exciting this year, guys. All right, before before we get to Josh Babeski, let's give a, let's put our tinfoil hats on and let's predict the match on December 8th. The match to play for MLS Cup and Armand. Let's begin with you. Oh wow, we're starting with me. Um, I, I'm going to go Red Bulls, Seattle Sounders. Jake, I also will go Red Bull, Seattle Sounders. I too will pick Seattle to represent the Western Conference, but I think DC United is just a team of destiny. Wayne Rooney is going to show everyone up. Uh, we're going to have to write 12 million. Apology letters to him, particularly Jake and Armand. You can begin. Uh, I know you already began a couple of weeks ago, but continue writing those apology sure, letters sure. as as he's mm. going to go on to MLS Cup. But it will be, in fact, Seattle that lifts it. So, yeah, MLS playoffs. Who really knows what's going to happen because it's such a crapshoot? I guess it's some of you love it. Others don't for that reason. We'll see. But up next, Josh Babeski. Joining us on the show is the president and founder of Austin Anthem, formerly MLS in Austin. He is Josh Babetsky. You can find Josh Babetsky on Twitter at Quixado. That's Q-U-I-X-A-D-O. Josh, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me back on the program, Dan. Yeah, not, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let's, let's dive right into this. Um can you give us your thoughts on the news that came out of uh, Columbus two weeks ago with 
the crew potentially being sold to a local ownership group while Austin uh, will will still get a, a club under pre-court sports venture? Um, I think in one word, premature. Um, I think in two words, uh, premature, but hopeful. Um, I think it would be great if that came to fruition, but I think it's uh, way, way too early in the game for the, the victory lap that it's you know being presented to uh, uh, online and apparently in some circles in, in Ohio. Were you surprised by the news? Um, I mean, I think so because it's not, it wasn't really well-rounded news. You can definitely tell there was an error. You know, our assumption is the Columbus partnership leaked it in some way, shape or form trying to, you know, generate some, some awareness that, you know, they were trying to do something um, after, you know, many months of silence, you know, clearly it looked like the league, uh, and the parties involved weren't ready to talk about it and say anything. And um, just given the size and scope of a transaction like this, um, you know, it just seems like it was really, really too early to kind of have that large public conversation, which has kind of been deemed like it's a done deal. But it, um, I think there's a lot of risk in it and it could be far off. But um, I mean, hopefully it happens. On the Austin side of things, Josh, we had you on in August. You were really confident that there'd be an MLS team playing in Austin come 2019. Are you still confident that it's going to be 2019 or are we looking more realistically like at a 2020 or something like that? Um, it's like a decision matrix chart. If the Haslam deal doesn't happen or all of a sudden Columbus can't pony up uh, a stadium site that uh, the league will pro- sign off on, um, I think 2019 happens if they move the roster and basically just you know relocate the crew, which was kind of assumed what was going to happen. Um, I think if the deal has legs and there's really strong indicators uh, of a stadium site and that the deal, you know, is going to happen, um, I think then Austin probably moves to 2020 or 2021, uh, and then that, you, we just stay with continuity of a team in Columbus. Um, so I think it really kind of depends on how some of this this stuff plays out. Um, so I'm, I would say I'm less confident that 19 is going to happen, but more confident. 100% confident that it's going to happen and a team is going to come to Austin, whether it's 2019, 20, or 21. Are you are you, uh, just kind of building off of the, the last question Armand just asked? Are you disappointed then that there won't be, that there, there, there potentially won't be a team in Austin in 2019? Or is this kind of just, hey, we, we're going to get a team, and whether that's next year or the following year, you know, you, yeah, MLS think, is coming to Austin? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I mean, when I had originally drafted what I guess has become known as the Pelican Brief of the speculation back in February of 2017 that Columbus was a, a flight risk, um, you know, our thought had been timing would be somewhere around 2022. So from my perspective, I'm, I'm still well ahead of the curve that I thought it was going to take for a, a club to settle in here in Austin, Texas. Um so it's not really a matter of disappointment. I mean, you know, if a another city is able to kind of keep a club going and that means that we're waiting another year or so that's fine and it's even better for us because then it's it's a kind of more of a clean slate you know it's our team from the get-go it's not this other team that really came from somewhere else um, even though like on paper technically we're still going to be the, the MLS franchise and I guess Columbus would be the expansion uh, slotted team so it's kind of like a weird San Jose Houston thing except it could be backward where the team actually stays there as an expansion and the relocated team takes a couple of years to actually start playing with the with all with all that's going on um 
we've seen the the Austin supporters group kind of, uh, I guess, vilified, I think is the right word, um, by on Twitter, on other modes of social media. Um, do you feel like now with the news that, hey, Columbus is still going to have their team, Austin's going to have their team as well, uh, potentially, uh, do you guys see yourself not really as villains amongst MLS fans anymore? Well, I mean, it was always a small group anyway. I mean, you're always going to have the keyboard warriors from, you know, big soccer who, uh, you know, think they've got the whole system figured out. And, you know, they have their expert plan for pro rel and how things are all going to work. Um, so there's always some level of that. Um, I mean, even if, you know, there hadn't been no relocation, there would be other cities than just, you know, talking smack. Um, I think it does provide the opportunity now that um, there's going to be a little more time and a little more reason to talk about the Austin side of this whole saga and this whole story. Um, and, you know, and hopefully there'll be some, uh, there'll be some more awareness and some more investigative uh, looks, you know, into just, you know, really the, the issues and challenges with, efforts that happened in Columbus through efforts and challenges that happened out here um, in Austin. Uh, we never, we were never really worried about it. Again, it was always kind of like a small group of fans here and there. The, the couple of yellow towels uh, uh, or scarves, you know, being, you know, swung around in various places, which apparently triggered some people the last time I was on this, the program. Um, and you're always going to have some level of that. Uh, but, you know, I think it's the, the outcome is probably going to work out best for everyone. So, um, you know, I'm sure that'll dial down some of it. Do you think this starts a national rivalry between Columbus and Austin? Or do you think people just don't care now that Columbus are staying? Because the last six months, kind of, you know, to, to go off what Armand said and what we've been discussing on the show is well, the last six months, there's kind of been this hatred between, I guess, maybe a lot of MLS fans, particular Columbus crew fans against the Austin fans and it could be more of a natural rivalry rather than what Jake's likes to call these forced rivalries that you see in the league. Um, I certainly think there'll be a more organic element to it, right? Cause there's always going to be that, well, this could have played out a lot differently um, kind of aspect to it. Um, so, you know, I'm hopeful too, cause yeah, you, you know, you, you see a lot more of these kind of created rivalries rather than organic ones. And I, I think certainly this one would fall into that, um, category. I hope, um, you know, I think it's a good thing for Columbus too, because, you know, now they're going to be all that scrutiny that was going to be shown to Austin around performance and seats attendance and things like that for relocating a team is now going to be put on them. Um, you know, we're going to take advantage of our first shot at MLS. So they damn well better take really good take care of their second opportunity because it's not going to be a third. And now you've got, you know, these 12,000 pledge pledges of season tickets and you know all the all the the huff and bluster of a, a you know uh, of a community you know and they're and rightly in the passionate effort to, to save a club now they're going to have to deliver on it uh josh uh, th- i saw this kind of roll through my twitter feed a couple i don't know if it was yesterday or, or two days ago uh, can you give us your thoughts on the circuit of america's petition to have a public vote on the mccalla place yeah yeah so there's the you know, Austin politics is like kind of a weird animal. It's not like corrupt politicians where you slide them, you know, envelopes full of money and you just get things taken care of. It's just like it's a weird political structure um, that's kind of evolved over the years. And you have like these pockets of NIMBYs, not in my backyard, you know, typically older 
uh, you know, older voters that are against really the change and the progress that Austin has. As, you know, we're like one of the fastest growing cities in the country. You know, we're on the top of every top of list. But if you've lived here for 40 years, you know, some of those some of that change hasn't been as uh, welcome. So there's a small group that is, um, you know, kind of against any kind of real progress in the city. And that's they're kind of protesters for hire. Uh, and they had stopped the kind of a zoning development program to modernize the city a little while ago. Um, so apparently the, the Circuit of the Americas um, uh, people behind that have, you know, basically bankrolled them uh, to create opposition. And initially it was this dark money, um, but a bunch of our members had been digging into this for months. You know, we tried, we even sent it to the press of like, you know, you guys really should, or they have, you know, sent it to the press. We should, you know, you really look into this kind of thing. And I guess, you know, they just, they decided to go out and say, go public with it because it was already pretty well known and more people were starting to report on it. Um, and it's, you know, it's just, it's under, it's unfortunate and it's shady because um, it's really, really um, denying them an opportunity to create, have the greater soccer fan base here in Austin support potentially USL and MLS. And it's really now it's kind of just they really set fire to that. Right. So, Josh, what you're saying is kind of they're kind of just burning that bridge, you know, between y'all especially. And, you know, because I know you guys all you guys talk about want to support uh, all uh, Austin professional soccer, whether it be US or MLS. But I mean, you guys are obviously a little bit obviously for more MLS. Are you saying kind of they've kind of burned that bridge, you know, or starting to burn that bridge between the two sides? Um, it seems to be that seems to be their their tactic and their their position. Um, I will, you know, we had a, our a team of uh, well, actually we had a large uh, group of supporters go out and support the women's UT soccer match the other day in their big the Red River rivalry uh, on the soccer pitch a few weeks ago. Um, you know, we're we're all involved in lots of different soccer organizations across town. Most of our members belong to an EPL or a Liga MX uh, SG in town, so we're we're very well integrated. And obviously, yes, our focus is on the MLS club, um, and our ideal is we support all soccer. Uh, here in Austin. But when you have an organization that's actively trying to undermine that goal, um, it's very hard to um, have the soccer community then reciprocate that support back. Uh, Josh, one, one last question before we let you go. Um, I don't know about you, but to me, it, it seems like we might finally be at the, the finish line in terms of this Columbus Austin FC saga. You, you might disagree. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. But to me, it kind of seems like we're, we're at that end now. Um, I know you've mentioned that this has kind of been a five-year process for you uh, trying to get a team to Austin. How does it feel to see that it's finally coming to fruition? Um, I mean, it's it's been exciting. Obviously, it's been tumultuous. <laughs> There's been a lot of twists and turns along this saga, but um, you know, I think the, myself and our team uh, and our membership are, are very optimistic about the the future and we're having. You're you're absolutely right about our. Our fifth anniversary will actually be the day after the MLS final. Um, we've annually uh, thrown a watch party for the MLS uh, Cup match, where we also do a charity drive for Toys for Tots since it's in December. Um, and we'll also be celebrating our fifth anniversary as an SG. Um, so there is a lot to celebrate, um, I think, to the question of being at the end of uh, this saga. I I'm hopeful. Like I I'm hopeful that something gets done in Columbus. I think the timing is really going to determine whether or not that roster comes here in place for a while, or they continue uh, to play out in Columbus, even if maybe all the deals aren't, you know, the I's aren't dotted and T's aren't 
across. And, and I think that would be great. I mean, that's still a win. Um, Austin is absolutely getting an MLS team, uh, whether it's we wait another year or two for it. It's just a, 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 I'm fine with that concession. If another city is able to kind of hold on and keep their team, I just hope they, they take uh, good care of it. Um, I'm, what I'm hoping that is everybody that was for Save the Crew should now be for Austin FC because um, absolutely their destiny is tied to Austin, Texas. Um, there is no way PSV is giving up their rights to an MLS club without having Austin 100% secured by both the league and the city. Um, there doesn't seem to be any drama here with the, the paperwork getting done. Um, I believe the deal's contract's done, but there's like a resting period before they can actually like close on it. Um, but you know, if if the people of Columbus are want to be uh, uh, want an end to the PSV era, they should all be rooting and cheering for uh, MLS to finally announce Austin FC uh, officially because that is that is the milestone that stands in front of them, uh, welcoming a new era of ownership. Uh, theoretically, with the, the Edwards and Haslam group, uh, and you know, and hopefully a, another twenty some years of of soccer within Columbus. Well, Josh, just wanted to thank you, but I, I, I just had to throw this question out there. Out of the two Texas teams, who, which city does Austin hates hate more, Dallas or Houston? San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, actually, totally, I totally forgot those guys were down there during all this saga. <laughs> like, um, um, you know, I don't know. Um, probably Frisco just because it's it's even more of a pain to get to because you have to go through Dallas and yeah. you get always get get all the way to South Oklahoma uh to get there um you know but you know that's that's no real I think rivalry wise you know I I, I think obviously it'll always be interesting because you'll get more you know road visitors when we play Houston or Dallas um but you know I think as mentioned before I think playing Columbus every year because um, I imagine we're, we'll be a Western Conference team, so we'll only play each other probably once per season. Um, um, I think Nashville's got a, an interesting thing, you know, a music derby, a little more constructed there, but I think, you know, we're a lot of like-minded folks. Um, I think going up to Portland will be a lot of fun, uh, and then coming down here. Um, yeah, I just like you kind of look at the two other Texas teams, and, you know, if you're if you're – we get this comparison a lot of people go, Oh, well, attendance is bad in Dallas and attendance isn't great in Houston and the ones downtown, but they're t- totally different markets as, as, as I'm on and, um, you know, uh, uh, can, can attest to Austin is a very different animal here in, in Texas. So we don't really don't think of it in terms of like, these, these are our sister cities. They just happen to be like other metros that have a team in, in, um, in texas so i think it remains to be seen which one kind of will reveal itself as our arch rival um you know the dallas beer guardians you know they're uh we know we have a lot of common uh friends in some of their things and um uh so you know we'll, we'll have to see what happens but i don't i don't i don't think we have a clear vibe other than the, the drive to dallas sucks or the drive to south oklahoma sucks more than going to houston Oh, I understand. Driving in Texas is a pain. But, uh, Josh, we appreciate it. <laughs> Let the listeners know where we can follow you on Twitter or if you wanted to plug anything else related to Austin, MLS, soccer-related. Yeah, no, if you're interested in following along the continuing adventures of uh, Austin supporters as we march towards getting our, our first MLS club, um, you can check us out at austinanthem.org. And we are also on all the social networks at, at Austin 